When aspects of a complex case exceed your personal expertise, you bring in a co-counsel to add the specific insight your firm needs for next-level results. Marketing in the legal industry requires complex strategy and insight far beyond anything you learned in law school. Want more for your law firm? Time to bring in a marketing co-counsel. Welcome to CounselCast. I'm your host, Karen Conroy, your marketing co-counsel. In every episode, I discuss marketing topics with experts who answer your questions and help your firm get more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Michelle Hunter. I'm a marketing strategist and the founder of a creative agency specializing in copy that converts. And in telling the story of the work of professional people, attorneys, accountants, various industries, putting their work in a context that makes it really impactful for their clients so that they can get more clients, more revenue, more business, and really achieve their professional goals. I am so excited you're here, Michelle, and especially on our inaugural episode of this Council Cast, our, our podcast. So um, we are aiming to just solve one big question. And I love talking to you about strategy because it's just one of those topics that we can talk about forever. So today, I think the big question we're going to talk to you about is what does everyone get wrong about strategy? Sure. That's a perfect question. Actually, everyone gets a couple of things wrong. And one of the first things we get wrong with regard to strategy is feeling like we don't really need one or we understand exactly what we need to do because the wind's blowing from the West or we read a good book. And so we just go forward with marketing, implementing a strategy that isn't our own, that actually worked for someone else, or just willy nilly taking advice from whoever wants to give it to us. And then the problem with that, the reason that that doesn't get the results we're looking for is that without a strategic plan that's begins with the objective and then works backward to determine how best to get there, you end up getting whatever results you get and not really understanding what those results are or where they came from, what actions led to them. And quite often you really get no results. It it seems to me like when we start a website project, for example, first of all, people are starting with the website and they think that is their entire marketing strategy. And what's wrong about that? Well, it's like the movie, The Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. The thing is that they don't actually come. (laughs) So especially within the legal industry, it takes a certain nuance and intentionality in order to set your firm apart from another firm out there. Because newsflash, everyone feels they have a good reputation. Everyone has client-focused customer service. Everyone wins in the courtroom. Everyone is experienced and, and is looking to really help their clients achieve goals. So when you say that on your website, no one cares. You don't sound any different from anyone else, first of all. Secondly, a website is the hub of your marketing, but if you can't drive traffic to that hub, no one sees it. It just sits there. It doesn't do anything for you. So I like to have our clients step back and take a look at where this website fits within the whole of their entire marketing scheme, because you you need to understand how you're going to drive traffic to the website. And then more importantly, how that website is going to convert clients or prospective clients into actual clients who sign the retainer agreement and start working with you. 
So why shouldn't people kind of do it themselves? Like, you know, our clients are all lawyers and law firms. They feel like they went to law school. They should be able to figure this out. And so they kind of know, like a lot of times we'll start those conversations and they think, well, the goal is just to get the phone to ring. And they, they kind of really narrowly focus on this one tiny piece of the, the overall action. So why is that wrong? And what pieces should they be kind of reconsidering as like the broader scale? Well, when our clients, when they lead with, we just want to get the phone to ring, I will frequently say, so do you care who calls? Because you can have the wrong client, lots of the wrong clients ringing your phone. And that's not a good solution. You can have people who aren't even, don't even have a case that's relevant to your practice area calling you. There are worse things than a quiet phone. <laughs> I it, love that. It, it just is, is sort of nightmarish. And so strategy <laughs> allows you to really think about who you want to have pick up the phone and contact you, who you want to get that email request from, or however you want that prospective client to connect with you. You want your website to encourage them to call you, but discourage the people that you don't want to represent from reaching out to you as well so that you're not bogging down your administrative process or even just wasting your time with people who are never going to be effective clients for you. I love um, a lot of times when we're talking to newer lawyers, especially, and they have that argument about why they shouldn't just take any case. So it kind of ties into why they shouldn't have anyone who calls them be, you know, they're looking at their utility bills and they're thinking like in, in fear about what this means to start this law firm and why shouldn't they generalize and this idea of narrowing their niche down or niche or however most people pronounce that word, I can never get that right. Like every time I talk to someone, it's a different pronunciation. Yeah, they, they think that that's kind of counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. It has to do with expertise. So it, a lot of times I think it, it's helpful to think of it in terms of the medical field versus attorneys. So if I have cancer, I would like to go to an oncologist. I don't really want my family doctor to determine whether or not I need chemotherapy. Why? Because he's probably, he or she is probably not going to give me the best chance of surviving, right? This is a serious right. matter. I want to go to a specialist. When you position yourself as an attorney who takes any case that causes your phone to ring, what you're saying is, I really don't have expertise in one field. I'm sort of just making my way in the world, but I, I'm really eager and I do a good job. I have not met an attorney yet who wants to position themselves that way. You want to stand on your knowledge, your expertise, your skill and ability, and that means differentiating and niching or niching down into a certain <laughs> practice area. And so the, <laughs> the question that comes right on the heels of that has to do with what practice areas matter the most or how they want to position. And the thing that most of our clients don't consider is the mind of their prospective client. So if you do criminal defense and you can also do estates and trusts, I'm not going to trust you because in my mind as a prospective client, those two things do not go together. But if you do criminal defense and civil defense, or if you do civil and personal injury and medical mental, that all goes together and it makes a cohesive impression on me. And so I can believe that you have those two layers of expertise. So it's important to select practice areas that you're not only passionate about and skilled at, but that you can group together in a way that's going to 
resonate within the mind of your prospective client. When we've talked about this in the past, what I loved was the the feeling when you're talking about that feeling that your potential client gets. And when you have all of those, you know, everything under the rainbow, it's a feeling of desperation and your potential Absolutely. client looks at you as though you are desperate. And then you come across as that kind of used car salesman versus the person who, like you said, stands in confidence and when you are looking for an attorney, you want someone who's confident. It is probably a pretty serious issue or life event or whatever the case might be. You don't want the desperate attorney. You as a client are probably desperate. And so you want someone to kind of solve that desperation. Right. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so what else? Anything else people kind of get wrong about strategy in general? Yes, and you actually just sort of opened the door to it. When we are considering strategy, especially marketing strategy, most people think about the tactics they're going to implement. So am I going to be visible on LinkedIn? Am I going to network? Am I going to go to professional organizations or am I going to publish in a legal journal? And they, they think about these tactics and how they work together and they put together a strategy that will allow them to take part in all of these tactics. The missing piece is thinking about how you want the prospect to feel, your prospective client to feel at every touch with your firm. And here's what I mean by that. Do you want them to feel that you are confident? Or do you want them to feel that you're compassionate? Because you know, sometimes those things are actually diametrically opposed. So do I want my clients, if I'm an attorney, to feel like I'm gonna go fight like a bulldog in the courtroom for them? Or do I want them to feel that they're heard and that I care about them and that together we're gonna find the best resolution. And once we do, I'm gonna fight to make that happen. That's a different positioning. And so it can be pretty subtle and nuanced, but then once you determine what that is, that feeling needs to, you need to view everything you do in terms of marketing through that lens. So you can't have a website that positions you as being a bulldog and then go be all nice and friendly and compassionate on LinkedIn, it feels like a disconnect. So one of the things that I think is most crucial in strategy and that most people miss is thinking about how you want yourself and your firm to be perceived in the market and then allow the strategy to flow out from that. Yeah. So when it comes to these mistakes that people are making in strategy. The thing that really stood out a minute ago that you said was the the subtle and nuanced. You know, I feel like that right there for me is strategy kind of in a nutshell. So we're talking about what they're getting wrong. So what it, what does that mean for how people should approach it instead of making all those mistakes? I really recommend, and I'm not just saying this because I am a strategist. I work with a strategist myself for my business. I really recommend that you don't DIY your own strategy. And the reason is that you have inherent biases and assumptions about yourself that you don't even realize you have. And you don't see around corners because you know what you know, and that's all you know. It's similar to how you know a, a gentleman who is, who is his own attorney has a fool for a client. You would hire an attorney to represent you even though you're capable of representing yourself, just so that someone else can see around the corners that you don't see and catch the gaps. Strategy is the same way. So you may choose to write your own website copy, although I also don't recommend that. You may choose 
choose to do a lot of things on your own, but make sure that you outsource the strategy and that you work with someone who can help you see those nuances and, and put together a plan that's actually going to get you results. I feel like it's a similar sales pitch to what these attorneys are giving their clients. And in a previous life, I worked with real estate agents. Same thing. They would have these clients who thought, well, why don't I just do a for sale by owner. And for the same reasons that you are telling your clients that you should not represent yourself in court, you should not represent yourself in the marketing world and trying to sell your own firm and try to wear all those hats for the same reasons that you are saying that to your clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing you shouldn't do, frankly, is replicate the strategy that worked for someone else. Oh, yes. This I feel like this is another angle, a whole other like avenue that fits under the mistakes people make with strategy. Mm -hmm. Like you and I both hear this all the time. Well, let me show you two or three examples of someone who, you know, is down the street, has an office down the street, and I basically I'm I'm kind of envious of whatever success or something that they've done. So let's just try to repackage that. So why is that a bad idea? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hugely bad idea. It's bad for the same reason that I wouldn't marry my husband's brother, right? They both Oh, so gross. <laughs> they were both they were both raised by the same family. They have the same sort of, you know, but why would I do that? Cuz I want the individuality. So you might be competing against an attorney in your town who has the same practice area as you, and you might look at their marketing and think that they're crushing it, and so you want to you want to replicate that, right? So one of two things will happen. One, you'll do it very, very well and you'll replicate them perfectly. And so you'll look like a copycat. Yes. Not positive. The right. other thing that will happen is you'll replicate it to the best of your ability, but it won't be great and it won't fit. So it's like you're putting on someone else's jacket and it doesn't fit. It looks really great on him or her. But when you put it on, you know, the sleeves are too short and it's pinchy and that color doesn't flatter you. But hey, you're going to rock it and you wonder why it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work. It goes to the nuance. So when I have a client come to me and say, hey, there's a firm in town. They're doing this. It's really interesting to me. I feel like they're doing a great job. We take time and we unpack why that works for the other attorney, what aspects of it resonate with my client, and what we can learn from it and apply to their nuanced strategy that's aligned with their brand's values, expertise, personality, so that that jacket fits and it flatters and it's the oh, right I colors. Love that. That's like, way to bring it back around. I love that. <laughs> that's so cool. I love that. I feel like that is such a perfect you know, on top of all the other things, it's such a perfect visual of, you know, trying on somebody else's plan and feeling like that should just fit. It's not just like, you know, going and buying a pair of shoes. Well, and actually the same thing, shoes, you, you have to get your own size. You yeah, have to get your own you pair do. of shoes. Yeah. It's true. So last question, I uh, love talking about what everybody's reading and what, you know, books they may have been inspired by or whatever. And uh, we plan to have kind of a library section on, on the website for the podcast. So tell us about a book that you either loved, you've re read recently, or somehow relates to what we're talking about. Okay. Book I really, really love and I highly recommend is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And what I love about it, besides the fact that it's kind of an easy read, you can read a chapter and then set it down that kind of stands alone, is the feeling it gives of 
peace and a lessening of anxiety. So when we come to creative work, whether it's writing our own website, whether it's even, you know, for an attorney putting together a case and just figuring out all the different as aspects of it and threads you can pull to get the result that you're looking for, that's creative work, right? And yes. so there's a, yes. there's a level of anxiety that we all feel. What if I try this and it doesn't work? What if I, you know, and there's a little fear of putting ourselves out there. The book Big Magic is really about just taking a breath and understanding that fear is a part of the process, but it can't define you and you're good at what you're doing and things happen for a reason. Ideas come to you when you need them and they have a life of their own. It's just so encouraging and inspiring for creative work. I love that. I feel like that's another mistake that we kind of touched on earlier too with the strategy is leading with that fear and then not just leading with it. And, you know, it's, it's fine to have some fear. I mean, a lot of starting a business or a law firm or whatever, there's some fear involved because it's, it's not the norm of just kind of going and sitting in a corporate office and having the comfort of, you know, a pension. I guess some people still have those, but it's okay to have the fear, but not let that guide your decisions. I also read that book and I thought that was a nice defining factor in there too, is that recognize it and then set it aside, but don't let that be the decision, especially in your strategy. So your strategy shouldn't be just like, oh my gosh, what if I can't pay the bills? And then you are a generalist and you're making all your decisions that way. It's okay. I, re I recognize I'm afraid of not being able to pay the bills, but I need to set that aside and then really focus in on the thing that I know is going to be more successful, which is whatever. Let's, you know, let's get clear about who I know attorneys. This is the council cast podcast. We're speaking to attorneys and law firms as a rule. Attorneys are not people who are bound by fear, right? You're not afraid. You're confident. You've gone to law school. You're going out, you're doing it. The place where I see fear really tie the hands of an attorney in my work is at the attorney bio level. And let me explain that. So you have many attorneys come to me and they want everything they've ever done in their bio. Everything. And the <laughs> yes. problem with that is you become the guy at the party who just talks about himself. So yeah, I went to this school and I did that and I'm amazing and I'm great and I'm never going to ask you a question about you because... And so when that guy corners you at the party, you're biting off your own arm to get away from him. You're like, <laughs> yes. oh, look, I need to go talk to that person over there. Oh, my cell phone's yeah. vibrating. Like anything you can do to get anything. away. But your bio on your website, an attorney's bio needs to do two things. It needs to make a client want to come and talk to you. And secondly, it needs to present in a credible way your expertise, not brag and brag and brag about it, not make it bigger than it is, or even realistically just put everything out there so the prospect needs to filter through it. Instead, it needs to be curated to validate and answer the questions that the prospective client has when they come to your website. So did this attorney go to law school? Where did they go to law school? Have they worked with a judge? Have uh, Where are they licensed to practice here? What have they been distinguished and won awards? What types of cases do they normally handle? What are they passionate about? Why are they attorneys? I ask clients that question. What is your passion statement about this 
practice area, and there's usually like crickets chirping in the background. <laughs> Why do you do estate planning? Why do you do personal injury? Why did you decide that you were going to do civil tort law? Why are you a litigator? Why are you not a litigator? These glimpses into who you are as a person differentiate you and make your client feel comfortable sitting in your office and talking about this issue that they have that they want you to resolve. And so I'm not talking about, again, telling too much and talking about, well, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the world, I decided I really cared about estate planning. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But one or two well-chosen sentences about why these things are important. Hugely, hugely valuable. Oh, it's so valuable because I can't tell you, well, I can tell you because you know how many times we have put together a website and they literally will email over their resume and they think that's what a bio is. And it's so important because I feel like it's usually the second step right after the homepage. They're going there to basically get to know you. And if you do it wrong, it's like the beginning of any relationship. The first impression, if it's just done poorly or even just mediocre where it looks like every other one, you can't redo that. Like you, you can try if it's someone who's, you know, been referred to you by a friend or something, but it's never quite the same as if it's really solidly answering their questions instead of just being, and then when I was 12, I had a lemonade stand. And then when I, you know, like everything that has no bearing on anything. So yeah, I feel like the bio is such a place for so much improvement for, mm-hmm. for most attorneys. <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. Well, that is so great and useful. And I appreciate you so much being here and being our first guest on this show and helping us get through all of the hiccups of figuring this all out. Uh, if people want to find out more about you and the, your work, where, where can they go? My website is michellehuntercreative.com. You can certainly go there and check that out. But I work as a strategic partner for you, Karen, and I really (laughs) would recommend that if an attorney has a question about marketing strategy, you can email me directly. I'm happy to field those emails, michelle at michellehuntercreative.com. And then we have some resources that we'll make available. But Just like most attorneys, you can always grab a consultation with me and we can do a quick discussion about what I would recommend or where you, what your next step should be. And then we can go from there. I'm always happy to solve problems. And take a look at their bios. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll take a quick look at your bio. We can talk about your passion statement. We can get it. Well, thanks so much, Michelle. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CounselCast podcast. I know that by implementing what you heard today, your law firm will achieve more. Be sure to visit the website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode. If you enjoyed the episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.